Welcome to Climate Briefs, a super quick summary of all the things that matter for the climate in 2021. I ask a simple question, our experts give a succinct answer, because everyone likes a tight brief. So to explain the question of what is climate justice, I'm joined by Joe Spratt, the Communications and Advocacy Director at Oxfam New Zealand, and also Alex Johnston, who is the campaign lead or a campaign lead at Oxfam New Zealand. So welcome, Joe. Welcome, Alex. Morena, Vance. Lovely to be here. Thanks for having us on. Uh, my pleasure. All right, Joe, we've got 10 minutes to unpack what is climate justice. Go. Great. <laughs> um, well, I guess climate justice to me is about two things. It's making sure that as we transition across the globe to a carbon neutral economy, we don't leave anyone behind, but that we also think about uh, who are the, the predominant people who have caused climate change and make sure that um, they're doing their fair share to, to help others. Uh, and I think if we unpack it further, there's, there's three components. So if, for me, it's about working with the inequalities that already exist in our society around class and race and gender um, to make sure that we put the people who already experience discrimination uh, foremost in, this, in our thinking as we think about how we transition to, to carbon neutral economies. Um, second, it involves thinking about who's already been affected the worst by um, global heating and the impacts of climate change and doing all we can to put them in the driving seat and to um, put their needs first and let them uh, lead and shape the policy response. And then the third component is thinking about it actually as the wealthiest people on earth who have caused climate change and thinking about how we can make sure that um, People who have uh, significant amounts of wealth and who consume uh, perhaps things that aren't necessary or that, that are luxury items, uh, that they're paying um, or contributing their fair share to helping us uh, make a transition to to a neutral, carbon neutral economy and making sure we leave no one behind. That's an excellent summary. And there's a kind of an irony, isn't there, that the nations that have largely been the biggest contributors to climate change, I'm thinking about the developing nations, are also the countries that are going to be the best positioned to survive. And the inverse of that is the poorest economies, which have contributed the less, are going to be impacted the worst. Would that be right? Pretty much, I think, as a general rule. But we also see in um, even a country like New Zealand, people who already experience poverty uh, or who um, may be in precarious work or in work poverty, they'll, they, they tend to live in places that are probably more vulnerable to climate change and be less able to um, to move and, and compensate for the impact. So I think... Uh, Yes, globally, certainly um, countries that are poorer, when we think about Bangladesh or um, some of the Pacific Island countries uh, that, that, that run the risk of losing their entire sort of land mass, um, they are going to be hit the hardest first. Um, but we also can't forget people in, in New Zealand or in, in wealthy countries who, who are already experiencing discrimination and poverty and, and making sure that we bring them with us and improve their um, living situation as we move to a carbon neutral economy. So break it down for me. If you have, for instance, a, a piece of land that is going to be affected by the rising tide and storm surges, when the council say to you, uh, you need to move, 
you're quite rightly, as a New Zealand citizen, hoping for some sort of compensation, aren't you? And are you saying that that would that be right? And then that would be applied kind of at a and a if you apply a justice lens over that, you are mm. saying that some people are going to be more impacted on account of their existing poverty or their existing hardship. Yeah, I, th I mean, I think particularly if we don't get the right policy frameworks in place, like we can do it in a way where they aren't, um, that we can support them to make make the transitional move homes or whatever in a helpful way. Um, but if we aren't thinking about them and their needs first and foremost, um, then they could be more adversely affected. Yeah, if you, I mean, it's like anything, if, you've, if you're wealthier, you have access to different um, resources and the, you know you can buy somewhere else reasonably easily, but if you're renting and there's nowhere else you can go and you're mm. tied to family and, and things like that, sorry, I'm starting to ramble a bit now. <laughs> But yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we have a policy in place whereby you know people who have more and are in a better position can contribute and into the common pool, and then we can help people who who don't have the ability to to move or to compensate themselves. So that's kind of at a big picture, Alex. Um, what is Oxfam trying to do about climate justice? What are your programs, and and what do you hope to achieve in the next little while? Um, well, a big focus for us at um, Oxfam New Zealand and, and in the region is um, around pushing for our government here in New Zealand to be doing its fair share for action at home in our own backyard, but also globally, um, mm -hmm. because recognising that New Zealand um, here is a, is a high-income high nation. Um, we've benefited from... Uh, decades of enjoying driving our cars and and having factories that pollute the atmosphere and um, and so when our government's deciding what action to take, um, how fast to go compared to other countries, um, what what industries it might target to reduce its pollution, um, we're trying to bring in that perspective that New Zealand has uh, is is an outsized contributor to the. The, problem, the global problem um, and then we're trying to also work alongside um, communities and grassroots communities, uh, communities on the front lines of climate change both within social movements here in New Zealand and uh, in the Pacific and globally to to amplify and, and, and elevate that perspective um, right. so that when um, people in our government or uh, people leading businesses are thinking about what type of way that they're going to take action on climate change, that they're not just um, taking the, the easiest uh, least path of least resistance, but they're actually weighing, grappling with the complexities and the nuances around New Zealand's con disproportionate contribution, the way that climate change is disproportionately affecting particular communities and the way in which policy response will also uh, disproportionately affect communities if we don't get it right. Can so you give, kinda, us a, give us a for instance, you know, what's what's one community that you think you would like to be working with or are working with to uh, hmm. improve their just transition? 
Um, well, for Oxfam, because we, we bring that kind of global justice perspective, we are focusing a lot on um, how the targets that New Zealand sets um, around how much it's going, to, it's going to reduce its emissions are adequate. Um, and so in that sense, we're working closely with our colleagues in uh, the Pacific, Oxfam in the Pacific, and other global climate justice organisations around showing what New Zealand's fair share of global action would be and highlighting that to the government. Um, and in the domestic kind of area, we, we um, Oxfam doesn't lead in, uh, in some of those campaigning areas. There are other organisations doing more domestic work, but to give an example that really highlights it is, um, for example, there will be a, a big way that we can reduce our emissions is is uh, in the transport sector transitioning to electric vehicles from from petrol powered vehicles, but it's a really it's a real justice issue because um, you know electric vehicles at the moment are very expensive. They're only accessible to those that can afford them. Um, there are likewise with public transport, there are communities that um, don't have good access to public transport, and so if we start upping the price of uh, petrol-powered vehicles without providing adequate um, subsidies and support for alternatives and access to those alternatives, then there will be communities that rely on their car to get to work or um, that don't have access to to um, alternatives that will be disproportionately affected by those sorts yeah, of policies. I think that's such a great example. I mean, it's such a real example. If you are having to drive across town in Auckland to get to your job and you rely on a car and suddenly you're going to be punished for driving a petrol vehicle, which is, you know, environmentally the right thing to do to get people out of those vehicles. Where's the, that's what you're saying, right? Where is the recompense? Where's the help for that person who um, otherwise couldn't really afford to be either catching public transport because there is none or yeah. buying an EV? Is that, that's kind of the essence of what it is, right? Yeah, yeah, that's a really good example, actually, yeah. And I think um, for international examples, maybe when we talk about climate finance, they, they become a bit more um, relevant because when we think about our work in the Pacific, we're about to launch a big program where we are working with community organisations to make sure that they get uh, climate finance and can then use it to help adapt, um, grow, you know, grow different crops that are that are used to more rainfall or less rainfall or whatever's going okay. to happen in their um, right. situation. Well, let's go ahead to climate finance because that's next week's issue that we'll unpack. But um, let's, um, in the time that remains, uh, can you give us, uh, what's on your climate wish list or your climate calendar next year? What would you like to be done or what are you excited about? <laughs> it's going to be a huge year on climate next year, and I'll let um, Alex talk a bit about that because um, he's leading all that work. But uh, there's a lot happening on the New Zealand front with the um, the Climate Commission's mm. draft uh, budget and our need to update our nationally determined contribution for the um, uh, United Nations Framework Climate Change Convention Conference of the Parties, COP26 at the end of the year. So there's a lot happening. Um, Alex, in the UK, right? What was that? that that's uh, COP26 is in the UK. Yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. yeah okay. So it's a really pivotal year. Obviously, COVID has delayed COP26 to being next year. It was meant to be in November. Um, and it's huge 
task for New Zealand A to to figure out how to um, meet its current targets that it's set, but also to step up our targets because we're currently not doing enough. So we'll be really pushing for uh, increased uh, ambition in the targets that we set under the Paris Agreement. Oh, yes. Um, and then the plan of how we go about meeting that those targets um, that the Climate Commission will recommend um, will come, I think, as quite a shock to a, a broad section of the community uh, yes. in terms of the level of action that's required. Um, I think there's a quite wide impression that what we're doing right now is enough, but it's, it's really not. And, um, and so when those recommendations come out, um, really trying to build a mandate for the government to adopt them and to really go further and faster than we are doing right now um, and to try and develop, yeah, um, real broad support for greater action um, mm. across all sectors and all uh, industries and policy areas. All at the same time, maintaining a view of fairness and justice uh, through the transition. What a challenge. Uh, yeah. Joe jo Spratt and Alex Johnson from Oxman, thanks so much for joining us to explain what is climate justice. Thanks, thanks Hans. Thanks this climate business is brought to you by Podcasts New Zealand.